Coming to you from the bottom of Lake Agassiz. Welcome to the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on the mighty 790 KFGO FM 104.7, 94.1, KFGO.com, the KFGO mobile app. You can you can enjoy Outdoors Live in, in many different ways. And, and I say that quite frankly and quite honestly because... Uh, you're listening to Outdoors Live, but it might be on a podcast. And if you haven't checked out the podcast, I would encourage you to do that and to subscribe to the podcast. That's one thing. that I mean, I love the outdoors, uh, like Brew and Agri, Gone Outdoors, or listening to some of the great guests that also talk about the outdoors, not just Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri, but Joel Heitkamp will have great guests on about game and fish hunting, fishing in the outdoors, Tyler Axis, Amy and JJ, uh, KFGO News. So the podcast is something that I've grown to appreciate. And the, the beautiful thing on that is you can listen to Outdoors Live, um, live on the air. You can listen to the podcast whenever you want. You can go back if you missed a part and, and listen to it again. So that's really really a cool, a cool way for you to enjoy the weekend edition of Outdoors Live. I am a former game warden and a current biologist for the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. And each weekend, we take a little different look at the outdoors. It's not just simply casting and blasting, hunting and fishing. It's, uh, it's a, a unique outdoors magazine that comes to life. So thank you for allowing us to be a part of your weekend. We have a lot of internal discussions in Game and Fish, and, and, and it's a testament and it's a tribute to the leadership that we have. Our, our director, Jeb Williams, our deputy director, Scott Peterson, the chief of fisheries, Greg Power, the wildlife division, Casey Anderson, these are all guys that are North Dakotan, and these guys all hunt and they all fish. And one of the, one of the biggest, one of the biggest um, accolades that I can give them is they're thinkers. And they're, they're not reactive. And, and sometimes people get frustrated with government is because, well, they don't do things fast enough. When it comes to hunting and fishing and trapping and spending time outdoors, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because if you had a leadership that was knee-jerk, that was reactive, you might be changing things every year. And while it may, well, it makes sense to do this, it may make sense that year, it may make sense for you, but for the long term, for all of the hunters and the anglers, for the entire population and all those that hunt, it it might not make sense. And and that's why that's why there's there's such a benefit to things moving at the speed of government. Where you look at a situation and an issue and instead of rushing to make a change and then dealing with what we might call unintended consequences of that change, you go, oh Man, I wish they'd do something. Well, I, I think you could also you could also give a credit to I'm glad they didn't do something. We're still using the same system for deer lottery that I can remember with maybe some a little adjustments and tweaks for literally twenty five plus years. Bill Jensen is a big game biologist and, and he'd he'd tell you that when you're when you're using a system that can distribute deer tags for 60,000 deer tags, for 130,000 deer tags, fairly and equitably, that's a really good system. That's why we have a weighted lottery system with bonus points. Nobody gets a preference, but your name gets thrown in the hat more and exponentially more the longer you go without drawing a tag. So instead of, well, you have to wait three years. Well, you might think it's great for other people to wait three years, but you don't want to. 
one of the really strong benefits that we have in all of our lotteries, a lottery for pronghorn, a lottery for deer, even a lottery for swans, is the fact that you can put in for every year. Now, the odds of getting drawn, the odds of getting drawn are higher the longer you go without drawing a tag. So it gives you a bonus. It gives you a bonus the longer that you go without drawing that tag. Now, when people say, well, why don't you do that for moose and for elk? You lose, you lose the impact of a bonus when everybody has it. So it works, it works much better with things like, like turkey and deer and swans than it does with moose and elk because you'd have, you know, this guy's got 500 bonus points. That guy's got 550. Well, when you, when you get down to it, when you have, you know, 55,000 deer tags, um, it makes a big difference. But when you have 300 moose or elk tags, um, you just have a system that is bogged down with those numbers. So if you, if you stop and you think about it, the bonus point system works very well. Even, even if it doesn't work for you this year, or even if it didn't work for you this year, it works very well over the course of time of helping, helping smooth things out, reduce the overall length of going without a deer tag in comparison to getting tick. If you didn't draw a deer tag, uh, a mule deer buck tag for five or six years, you're not alone. But if you draw one every year for two or three years, that's going to be pretty rare. And that's what the, the bonus point system is there for, is to make things a little bit more equitable. Speaking of deer, Joe Lucas is a game warden for the North Dakota Game and Fish Department. And when you look at a deer season, Joe, what are some of the most common violations that you as a game warden find? I guess uh, one of the big ones during the deer gun season, uh, driving off trail or use of a motor vehicle off a trail, uh, as well as tagging violations. Okay, could you could you explain that just a little bit more for people that might understand uh, by what you mean with off trail? Yeah, so anytime a hunter is in pursuit of a big game animal, um, they need to keep their motor vehicle on an established trail. So the only time a hunter can drive off of an established trail is once they have uh, harvested an animal and that animal is tagged. Uh, then they can take a direct route off of that established trail uh, to load their, their animal and then back to uh, said trail. Let's, let's uh, clarify a little bit and help people understand when you're talking about private lands, deer hunting, and off-trail and uh, the retrieval. If the land is posted to be driving off trail to retrieve their game, yes, you would. Game Warden Joe Lucas explaining some of the common violations that they find during, uh, during the deer hunting season. Uh, let, let's, let's educate people. What should they do the first thing after harvesting a deer? So the first thing upon harvesting an animal, uh, you're legally required to tag it. Um, that comes before field dressing, taking photos. We want to make sure that the first thing people are doing is validating their tag by cutting out the, the date and then placing that tag on the animal. Joe Lucas is a game warden for your North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Hey, let's roll through a few news and notes from this week. I want to make sure that we get everything caught up here. Um, if you were sent a survey by Game and Fish, I can't tell you how important it is to please complete the survey and return it to the Game and Fish Department. These surveys go out for big game, small game, waterfall, swan, turkey, fur bear. We're talking about deer. We're talking about elk. We're talking about pheasants, grouse, ducks, geese. You name it, we're doing surveys. Now, it's done statistically, so not everybody that hunts is going to get one, which is why 
which is why it's so important if you do get sent a survey to please, please, please fill it out as efficiently, as accurately, and as consistently as you possibly can because it's sent randomly to selected hunters. And think about this in terms of time and energy and resource. Think about money and manpower. If you can look at statistics uh, when they when they do whether it's you know political surveys or or, or neighborhood surveys or city surveys, um, if you survey ten thousand people or one thousand people, the deviation from that is really not that significant as long as it's random. As long as you're pulling out um, a a random sample of that, you're pretty confident that those are the statistics. So um, if you get sent a survey, we can't ask you enough to please fill it out. And don't forget, even if even if you didn't hunt, that's valuable information because sometimes people buy licenses and then, oh, well, just ended up with an anniversary, ended up uh, a sickness, an illness, a family issue, whatever it might be, ended up on the road. Um, I, I, I tell you what, it's so important for you to please fill them all out as consistently and as quickly as you possibly can. If you don't fill it out and send it back, you're going to be sent a mailed out one. And, you know, in this, in this age of electronics, our statistical people can tell you that, um, emails, sometimes people sit on it for a while and forget about it, ends up in spam or junk, or it ends up with a thousand other emails and they don't quite get it taken care of. Paper, paper copies still to this day, especially when you're dealing with a demographic of hunters and anglers, tend to generate more of a response. And I'll also say that a lot of a lot of hunters like getting surveyed. They like being able to provide that data. And that's so important for us to determine the number of hunters, how many days that you hunted, your success rate, um, how many ducks you shot, how many ducks you didn't shoot, how many days you went, which counties that you went into. On that same token, if you if you utilize a wildlife management area for your hunting, tree stands, blinds, steps, cameras, all have to be removed from wildlife management areas in North Dakota by January 31st. So you've got a couple weeks. This year, we don't have the snow like we've had in the past. In past years, we're telling people, hey, you better make sure you put some time into it because you're going to be treachering through some snow to get out there. Uh, not the case this year, but nonetheless, you still need to have those all all removed by January 31st. If not, no, we don't go out there on January 31st and wait till the stroke of midnight and remove them, but they are considered abandoned property and they could be removed and confiscated by game and fish. There, there's a reason for that. And last but not least, right now is the time to be looking for hunter education classes. If you, a son, a daughter, a neighbor, a friend need to take a hunter education class, um, I'm going to talk more about this um, you know, in coming weeks, but now's the time to look. Okay, right now, go to the Game and Fish Department website, find your town, find your community, and find that hunter education class. This is the weekend edition of Outdoors Live on the mighty 790 KFGO FM 94.1, 104.7, KF, KFGO.com, the KFGO mobile 